in mind, but then when the cop came um, to verify, I had, he said, you know, Kaylee is, is gone and this and that. And my husband said, is this drugs? And he said, no, sir. So do you guys believe that there's uh, some folks that still believe that this is a uh, cartel hit? Uh, you know, to be honest, to be honest, man, like just because drugs could be involved, not saying there's some big amount of drugs, but, you know, personal use doesn't mean, you know, it's cartel related. You know what I mean? I mean, even if it was cart, like, let's say it was cartel, let's go to that, to that avenue. Um, I doubt, I doubt cartels are going to go through the whole thing. You know what I mean? Leave DNA behind whatnot. Right. So that's in reference to framing Koberger. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, do you think that the cartels would frame Koberger? No, nah, I mean, I, I think if it was cartel, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, I think it will use firearms. Right. You know, 100. especially if, if you look at it like this, you know, cartel deep in Mexico, whatnot. Um, they leave calling cards, man. They mm-hmm. want to know people don't, they don't mess around. Well, that's, that's why I think it's, it's not, it's not cartel related. Yeah. They usually send some sort of message and that message is loud and clear. What about you? Big sure. Yeah. For me, I, after viewing everything, I don't believe it is cartel related. Like y'all said, they, when they want to like leave a message and want to make sure that nobody messes around with their stuff or around their area. They will let you know, and not in the nicest way. They'll leave them at the doorsteps of their parents if it was a cartel. But I was going to say there was one situation that I had a dealing with a guy who was in trouble with the cartel. And in this scenario, he was harassing uh, young women at the Walmart, uh, asking for money, apparently. And some of those girls got scared and called you know, the police department. So law enforcement show up. And we talked to this guy and this guy had tattoos all over. And he had a specific tattoo on his chin. I'm not going to say what it is, but he had a specific na- a tattoo on his chin, which is what they, um, his nickname was. And everything else was personal identifiers. His name, his address, uh, social security number was tattooed on him, you know, things like that. And I even asked the guy, I was like, are you afraid you're going to forget something? And he just kind of laughed and said, nah, you know, I want to say about three weeks later, they found his body without his identifier You know that you mostly would identify people with above the shoulders. And they were able to identify the body by his tattoos. And a couple of weeks later, the part that was missing was found at his parents' house. Yeah, it's there's a clear message that's sent. But let's have a true discussion about this. Let's talk about this. Let's have a conversation. Could good cartels actually be involved. One of the things that I heard was the cartel was connected through the victims to Idaho based on where they were born or grew up at. Uh, Apparently, Kaylee was born in California and that borders Mexico. Uh, I believe Zana Cronola was from Arizona at one point. That was considered her home and also borders Mexico. Uh, Bethany Funk was from Nevada. So that, you know, and I think that one of the other victims, I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, but was from Oregon. And so because they were from different states that touch each other, that eventually lead to Mexico, there's some sort of connection there. Tell me where the logic is in that. I don't see it. Jaime, what does that tell you? It just, you know, to be honest, like just to be close to the board doesn't make you, you know, affiliated with any of the other cartels, you know? Yeah. Um, the only thing I can probably see is that if they were living in the hub, you know, certain states have hubs you know, where drug trafficking is, you know, here in Texas. Well, here in Texas, it's a couple of them, right? The thing is, like, that town is pretty much secure to get busty, you know, because most of the people who live there are getting paid or somehow involved with that. If that's the only way I could see it if they were living in one of those hubs and, you know, a little small town where they distribute from that hub out. Right. Sort of way. But the thing is, from my understanding, all of these victims lived in that area while they were children. You know, mm-hmm. how, how much power do they have to own that state? That's their route at the age of eight. Yeah, no, exactly. They're too young. I mean, I would understand they're already teenagers, at least late teens. You know what I mean? Uh, over here, the states, I believe, I feel like it's a little bit different here in the states. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, sure, you got gangs and whatnot, but 
you know, when it comes down to the drug cartel itself, Mexico, it's a lot, they're a lot younger um, recruits than there mm -hmm. is here. You know what I mean? And what they're trying to do is they recruit young over there, get their papers fixed to send them out here to the States. Yeah. So they can run business and, and, and over be the, legal. Yeah, over the border and be legal. So that way we can go back and forth. Plus, they can also, you know, win favors too. But other than that, like them being that young during that time, in their states i don't think it'll i don't i don't see no connection there yeah i i don't either what what are you what about you big blue no i don't see no connection where you were born that you'd be connected to the cartel luckily i wasn't born in texas so i wasn't i won't be connected to the cartel but <laughs> no nah, dude you, you lived in illinois so you must be <laughs> taking all the drugs to chicago like or yeah, wisconsin that yeah. has to be for you because you lived here and you live there according to this logic you know wherever you <laughs> lived at one point you know what i'm saying you have yeah. to be the drug pin is, is that what you yeah. do on your time off big blue that's exactly <laughs> what uh i don't do never. <laughs> big blues never in the business you. of uh, big blues in the business of legal drugs he works yeah. in the medical field yeah, I mean, I, so, I, I'll get you a shot of Torto, but the doctor has to order it first, you know. I just find it incredibly unbelievable that because these folks have ties to these states, that that automatically makes them some sort of high-end or high-up drug affiliate. Because <clears throat> if they weren't, if they were low-level sellers, right, you know, and that's probably as low as you can get, right? The mule and the seller, is, isn't that about right? You know, that's yeah, as low as you can get on the totem pole. Well, there's that, and then you still got, like, lookouts and stuff. Yeah, you got right, but and, uh, and stuff like the guys that, that hold the stuff in their houses, you know, mm -hmm. they don't, they don't do much, but they right. just hold this. Hold right, but they're pretty down. low. They're low on the totem pole. Would, yeah. would a assassin who doesn't leave DNA behind uh, be who they get to take care of a low level, you know, drug um, dealer who's maybe perhaps not listening to their rules. Do you think that that hit's going to be taken out? It's just they're doing something they don't want. You think that hit's going to be taken out by somebody high up, a trained assassin? You think that's going to be taken by, you know, somebody who probably equals rank within the uh, cartel? Definitely not someone's high up, man. Yeah. Definitely not. I don't think so. I think it's going to be lower. And even if it was, I don't doubt they're going to use, uh, I doubt they're going to, they'll use a firearm. I, I believe they would. Right. Yeah. You know, it kind of depends on what the scenario is, right? What's the message they want to leave behind? Yeah. And... So the, the ones I've seen, it's a lot of knives, and, but mm -hmm. they, they, uh, they take stuff apart. Let's put it that way. Also, they, also uh, I say, well, they leave you by a bridge, mm -hmm. plain hangman. Yeah. So you see that that's what happened to, I believe it was in Nuevo Laredo. They, couldn't get a uh, a mayor at one point because they were kept getting hung on the bridge. And, yeah. you know, I went to a, a, a CLEAT convention. CLEAT is Collective Law Enforcement Agencies of Texas. And they had a convention, a convention in Dallas, Texas. You know, one of the things that they spoke about in this convention was, you know, the type of drug activity that's going on crossing into and across the border. And I'll say that those crimes that were committed by the cartel weren't as, you know, clean as this one. And by what I mean by that is, yeah, this one was sloppy, according to what we've read. And heard that there was you know, blood, blood on the walls, things of that nature. But if if we are to believe that this is the cartel and Brian Koberger is innocent and not involved at all, then the sheath and that DNA can be taken out. So what are we, what are we left? We're left with DNA in the area in which where the bodies were uh, un, unknown DNA right now, not on the bodies in the area where the bodies were found. So there's a pretty big separation of the two. Right. So we're to expect that. Whoever committed this crime went in there and stabbed, used a knife to commit this crime on four individuals in close rank without uh, getting their DNA left on there. Now, if this was a cartel hit, we're thinking it's probably somebody of the same rank. So do you guys think that a, and we'll start off with you, Jaime, do you think that this crime would be more likely committed by a low-level drug dealer, drug addict, a 
college student that is young at 21 that's using drugs as well? You know, do you think that's more likely that they could commit this crime and simultaneously frame Brian Koberger? Or do you think that the guy who uh, maybe perhaps took studies and training in forensics and in criminology at the Sales University who understands how to not contaminate a scene, which one would you think would be more likely that would commit this crime? Well, knowing that, you know, the DNA, none of the DNA was found, only one speck of DNA on the, you know, Toward where the bodies were at, yeah. you, know, you, would, you would think it would be somebody who knew what they were doing, you know, mm-hmm. how not to leave DNA or whatnot. But I would go with someone that has prior knowledge of the, you know, of the tactics, so forensic tactics. Yeah, I, I do too. What about you, Will? Yeah, I think uh, I think it it wouldn't be a, a hired hit. I think it um, they would have been probably a little bit more sloppy. Um, by the, you know, what I've seen in the stories here in town, they don't do, like, they might do a home invasion, but they don't normally do that. They normally get them when they're out, like, in public and somebody is shooting yeah they don't they don't they don't really give an f right like they don't care who you're with who you're around where you're at you know i've also heard of situations where they threw a grenade inside of a uh and this was in mexico uh, that they threw a grenade inside of a a a full restaurant you know they don't care about casualty that nature it's pretty ruthless and they don't care if you know who they are they kind of want you to know who they are yeah, exactly. And, you know, to, you know, looking at it further, when cartels, you, I mean, obviously, y'all see the videos that come out of Mexico, right? And they do need, they do use knives and machetes and whatnot. But that's when they already caught the person. You know what I mean? They don't, yeah. they don't do it. They don't go over to their house and do it there. You know what I mean? They bring them to a secure place. They don't know, you know, take care of the problem and then they get rid of the evidence. But I think over here, if I don't, I think over here at the United States, if there was somebody to, that was hired or whatever, a cartel member was hired, it'd be by, by gun. It'd be by, mm-hmm. But by a firearm faster, you can, you won't leave no DNA, especially if the gun is untraceable, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, it could be it could be pretty much. It doesn't have to be a higher up because it doesn't have to be a trained assassin. It could be any- right. What if what if the person that they hired is just some kind of psycho? You know what I mean? He's just into this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, I still don't think that in that type of situation that you're going to come across uh, a a clean scene where there's no DNA left behind at all. You know, unless this person was like an expert that, you know, was trained in not leaving their DNA behind on some of these type of situations, which I don't see the cartel really doing that. You know, even though that some of the cartel members were, uh, from what I understand, like even ex-military and upper military services, like Green Berets and things of that nature, I think it actually started uh, with some American soldiers. Isn't that correct? Yeah, they trained uh, Mexico's uh, forces and then they broke off and they made different, you know, groups. Uh, yeah. And then they broke off from there and then they made cartels and, you know, some cartels were together and then they ended up breaking up and they made more. It branches out so much, man. It's crazy how one of the new laws that just passed yesterday, or the, I mean, the beginning of the month, uh, now we are going to charge them as terrorists, right? Terrorists, yes. They're going to be charged as terrorists now if they get arrested here in the States. Uh, that means they're not going to get given back to Mexico right away. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a lot of new stuff that's coming around, but I, I'll tell you what. There's one story I do know of a of a he was a hitman and he was for one of the, one of the cartels. He was arrested here in the states, I believe, it was in Houston where they finally arrested him. But he says uh, they found about 28 of the people that he I think that's what they convicted him with. Mm-hmm. But they said it might be more like around 50 because he don't remember because he was high on drugs at the times that he did some of those things. And so, uh, so one of the craziest stories that he told was that was uh, at a drinking with some friends and he told the guy told him something and he said, Oh, just apologize, man. That's all you got to do. You know, it will be cool. He's like, I'm not going to apologize. Um, something about his truck or something. He wanted to drive the truck and he's being anxious, insistent about driving the truck and it gets her both high or something. He just killed his mm-hmm. own friend and he went and buried Damn. him. And then, 
and he went and buried him, right? And the, the, like the mom of the friend, uh, well, that goes to the sister's friend or something. But they were they were all drinking together. He kept looking for the, the son, and, she, and he finally felt bad, so he went and buried the body so they can finally find him. I think that's one of the ways they can track they track him down was they found the DNA on that. But some yeah. of the cases are pretty interesting that, that I've seen. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But typically when it comes to like those situations where the cartel does something and you don't find DNA, it's because the person has appeared, right? You know, they have buried them, barrel, um, things of that nature, you know, stuff like that. So that's why they don't find the DNA. But as you mentioned, they him buried the body and they found his DNA on the body. So he wasn't like trained in forensics to know hey, if I, um, you know, I can't just wear gloves. There's other ways, you know, sweat hair follicles, things of that nature for getting your DNA on that body. In this scenario, the bodies were there, right? In Idaho, the body, they weren't missing. They weren't gone. They weren't anything. They were there in the house. So, you know, for them to not find DNA on it, I highly doubt that that's coming from a drug addict, a drug dealer, a a low-level cartel member. I highly doubt it. And if it's a huge assassin that's high up, why are these girls so important that they need that? You know, they they lived in that house. That house was supposedly a, uh, you know, the rumors are that that house was a, a house that was used by the drugs for years, right? The, the occupants of that house have to have an understanding about it. And with that being said, them leaving is just like everybody else that's left before. None of those people's lives were taken, right? Why these people? You know, this is a house that has a lot of turnover. A lot of kids go through there. In fact, these kids weren't even in there that long. Kaylee was leaving. I don't get it. What do you guys think? Like, you know, if it's saying if this was a hired attack, you mean? Yeah, if this was a upper echelon cartel yeah. member, you know, one of the uh, top guns, why would these girls be so important? How could these girls be important? If that was, if that was, if that's the case, um, they would have to be um, involved in the business itself, like deeper than just being the hub. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, have intel or we're working with 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 the feds or whatnot that's the only way but i don't think honestly i don't think cartel would go to that extreme you know if they're they just lost some drugs you know what i mean i don't think that yeah. first they would do something but i don't know if it'll be like you said not de- leave dna and stuff like that right i've seen where the cartel just beat the living crap out of somebody because they lost something you know they mm-hmm. beat a guy with a two by four broke his arm broke his leg broke his nose he had several fractures but he lived you know they don't they don't necessarily kill everybody it, it depends on the situation and how egregious it was in their eyes so the question comes what if it was about money what if you know i, I don't think there could be a money that a higher up would get involved I would only assume that the only person that would get involved in that type of situation would be the supplier, you know, the person that is bringing them and that they have to pay for. But even at that, I think that majority of the time, the uh, dealer pays for the supply at the time that they get it. But even if the dealer lost it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Unless they were, you know, just holding things, you know, there was that just hold stuff. And then somebody raided their house, uh, a rival gang and goes in there and commits this crime. The only thing is we're back to, this rival gang has to be so amazing with DNA and not leaving their DNA behind. It doesn't make any sense to me, logically. Big Lou, where do you stand on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I stand that I don't believe it was a cartel. I believe it was somebody else. He's not guilty till 
you know, the court's proven guilty. So I can't mm-hmm. say it's his, his name right now, but he's the person on the stand that's the defendant. But I do want to say, um, you know, one thing we are forgetting is that four innocent people did lose their lives. So that's why uh, we wanted to try to talk about this a little bit today because the rumors are just getting a little ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. And there's four families that, you know, are missing their children. And we just sometimes try to correct some of the things out there because it's pretty crazy what comes out. Yeah, 100%. And as far as like um, supposedly... Kaylee making like 100K and buying a Range Rover. The Range Rover she bought was a 2016 entry level Range Rover. It was the lowest entry level. I think they run about $27,000 for the purchase of it. You know, when it comes to foreign cars, especially like Range Rover, BMW, Mercedes Benz, uh, those things on the pre-owned or whatever, they they drop crazy because they're so expensive to repair, maintain and such and such. And so, you know, once they're out of warranty, those things are not worth anything in the 2016 to 2022. And what's that? Six years? Highly doubt it says any warranty. Uh, it was a good chance that that vehicle was. And I know I've had a Range Rover. I had, a, I had, a, I had the uh, Range Rover Sport, um, yeah. the bigger one, biggest one. But I, dude, it was in the damn. It was in the damn uh, shop more than it was in my garage. Like I, I, I remember, was horrible, man. I, I'll tell you a crazy repair my doctor friend had to do. He had a Range Rover Sport. Um, he had it the shop getting fixed at the dealership at the Range Rover dealership. They told him it's ready. You can drive it home. From him driving it from the dealership to his house, his head gasket blew. Dude, mine was all electrical, dude. <laughs> I had so many electrical problems with the thing. It was unimaginable. I traded that thing in. Couldn't couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to get rid of it. But 100k a year. So what? That doesn't mean that you're you're into drugs. In fact, if you're making that amount of money and reporting that, and you don't have a job that shows where it comes from, guess who comes knocking at your door? The IRS. So like, come on now. It's got to be reported, especially if he's putting it out there that she made that amount. And 100K isn't really that much these days. Like, it, it sure it is for, for a lot of people. But, you know, especially if you're in like the tech or computer industry or things of that nature, it really that's isn't. Starting, that's a starting salary for some tech businesses now. Yeah, exactly. Some big money to live in Austin. I mean, a one bedroom apartment in Austin is in the crappy part of town is around fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And if she's going, you know, she was looking for a place with a roommate and things of that nature. But, you know, looking at the place with a roommate, you're looking at at least the two, maybe three bedroom house or apartment. And, you know, those things are not cheap in Austin. They're not. And so, you know, if she was in the tech industry. Yeah. Yeah. If she's in the tech industry, no way that she's not. I see it as not being unbelievable that she would be making that amount of money. And I don't see how that's connected to the cartels, especially if she's reporting it. I know a lot of people who have made more than a hundred grand in a year and they're not affiliated. I don't think any of the people that I know that have made that amount of money are affiliated with the uh, cartels, at least not to my knowledge. I don't know what they do at night. I mean, what about you guys? Do you guys know anybody that's wealthy that didn't have, or wasn't attached to the uh, cartels or is everybody that is wealthy that you've known <laughs> automatically attached well, to the cartels? No comment. <laughs> I, mean, hey, I work, I work. No comment. I work in the medical field, so most of the physicians make over 100k. I don't, I don't make. I'm, I'm in you'll the middle. You'll get there, boo. You'll get there, boo. Just keep grinding. I have, I have friends in um, no places. I gotta put more pictures on my own fans. <laughs> that, that's what I meant. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that's who we're talking about. Big Blue, he has he makes 100K under the table. The last thing is you guys think that the cartel could have hired Brian Koberger as the assassin. You know, a lot of people say that maybe perhaps that's why his DNA was in the sheath. He was involved, but he was hired by the cartels because he's from Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania is a state away from the coast. No, nah, man, that's like that's like going to that's like going to the house and it's like not taking a weapon and, and, you know, hoping that you find a weapon at home, you know, what I mean? at that house that you could use. Right. You know what I'm saying? If it's going to be a cartel, they're going to send someone, maybe not from South, but someone already that's part of the business 
that's already over here in the states, and they go, dude, that's not higher up. It's just someone that can throw under the bus, pretty much. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's the same, same kind of logic, like saying somebody's from like New York and they're they're part of the mob or from Chicago. Well, I mean, it's ridiculous to automatically assume that, right? And I know that Brian Koberger does have a past with narcotics, but it's always, from our knowledge, it's only been you know personal use and drug abuse on his own end. Right. It's not been a situation where he was selling or buying. According to sources, you know, mainstream media sources, uh, Koberger purchased the K-Bar style knife on Amazon in April of 2022, you know, a couple of months before he drove out there. So if he was this assigned assassin, do you think that he was aware of his targets since then? You know, they're going to be like, do you think the cartel is going to tell this guy like, hey, it's April. I want you to take yep. these people out in any manner that you want. And he's like, all right, I'm going to do it by knife and I'm going to wait till November when I move over there. Yeah. If that was the case, they would have taken them out first. They're gonna wait. They're not in the waiting game. Yeah. No, I know. Do you think they could have framed Koberger? Do you think the cartel could have done this and been like, "Hey, let's frame that PhD student." They would have framed somebody else that they have, uh, you know, their own money or something that they just that they can throw away. Yeah, they'll get people that owe them money, like you said, and say, "All right, you're gonna go take the uh, you're gonna go take the blame on this. Go go, uh, you know, turn yourself in." Just kind of like the um, that situation from those folks from North Carolina. You know, they ended up getting, uh, they went over there to San Antonio. They went to Mexico to go get some weight loss surgery and they ended up getting kidnapped and shot and whatnot. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. same thing happened there. They send, they send somebody, you know, random people to take the blame for the situation. So that way there's no more attention on them. But th those are the tactics that they do. They're not freaking going in, in there with a professional cleaning crew, wipe all the DNA off the freaking residents. That makes zero sense to me. No, definitely. Especially like, you know, like you said, it, from, from April to November, that, there's too many things that will happen between those months. And there wouldn't be them waiting for Brian Cobra to get the guts to go do it. Yeah, I think that if um, they hired him to do, he hadn't done it within a certain amount of time. I think he would have been taken care of. Yeah. You know, I. I've seen that the cartel takes care of their own. If they do something wrong or they put attention to their, their group, uh, there was a situation where I knew a guy that was um, uh, being arrested. And one of the reasons he was arrested for was because he had attempted to look like he had attempted to kidnap somebody. Right. And he was putting this person in his car. An officer saw him. Lights went on. There was a chase ended up back at this dude's house. And uh, he ended up getting arrested later and come to find out that he was a member of the uh, cartel group. Um, he had actually, Come to find out, told the person that he was fighting with or trying to kidnap or whatever. He was pointing at his um, at his arm saying La Letra, which means the letter. And he had a uh, like a Z tattoo on his forearm. From what I ever don't understand, don't say it. I ain't saying it. But from what I understand is he ended up getting out on bond or bail and his own cartel took care of him after that day. Uh, and it was by gun it wasn't by for any of those things and it was what appeared to have been because i saw the vehicle and it looked like at least 150 shots into that car so like they, they had no mercy there and there's no cleanup or things look yeah. at the incident that happened at baja it was uh some people were told to lower their music and they're they were being disrespectful to the wrong people and look what happened to those baja people in those atvs you know when I'm in Mexico, somebody says, Lori, me, they're like, yeah, okay. They know who or, or what is going on behind that door. Oh, yeah. that they don't want attention. I mean, I mean I, I, I've been in Mexico when I was a, uh, I guess I was, what, 2019 or so? Not 2019. I was 20 or nine. And you know, that's when I used to go. Right now, I haven't gone recently. Hell no. But I did when I was a kid, when I was between the ages, actually, of like 16 to about 20 is when I started going. And while I was out there, I had seen at least three incidences where cartels were involved and there was no hiding it. 
one situation was I was down on the on the strip and there was an arrest at a bar across the street. And apparently this guy that they were that Mexico police were arresting was affiliated with, you know, one of the cartels. They had put this guy. I think he was like a brother or a son of somebody high up. And they put this guy in the uh, the police unit and went around the corner. And all you heard was like screeching. And then you heard gunfire. And then you just saw like like a herd of people because this is, was on the strip. And back then people used to crowd on the strip. Right. And so you just see this crowd of people running towards me. And it was actually me and Miguel, um, Hugo's brother. We were out there. And we had to duck behind this wall because the crowd was coming so much at us. We, we almost got trampled. And so uh, that was one of the situations that I saw. And like I said, they didn't care if they were police or not. They don't care. They're not going to clean up their mess. They're not going to clean up and make sure that they don't leave DNA behind. It does not make sense. And let me say, this is horrible PR for Mexico. Like, I love Mexico. I I go there still all the time. But there's certain places you can't go there's certain places that uh, are still controlled by certain people uh so you have to be careful when you go it has it gotten better a little bit it's a little bit less televised and a little bit less you know they're not doing all the crazy stuff where they were you know dropping the like the torso in front of the parents houses no more and the body parts everywhere else or they're, they're not playing hangman no more on the bridges lately but they're still doing their stuff people are still disappearing i mean there's still a big story mm-hmm. that still came up the other day was i think they, they finally uh convicted or or found the people that were responsible for the bus load of children that they kidnapped and buried out in the desert mm-hmm. more than 30 so yeah. it's not it's, it's not the safest place yeah i mean just a couple of weeks ago maybe like a month ago wasn't there like five five um teenagers missing in mexico and they were not affiliated or something like that with the cartels and they got another friends to to take out throw his own that is sad but i mean like i've been in situations um i've seen things i've heard things but um they're not they're not a, they're not for youtube <laughs> what about when when you hear like for instance a family member of the victim say that police tells them that drugs are not involved shouldn't that be the i'll be all answer you know what i'm saying sure. and, and for those that didn't hear it in the beginning i'll play it again in mind but then when the cop came um to verify my head, they, he said, you know, Kaylee is, is gone and this and that. And my husband said, is this drugs? And he said, no, sir. I mean, you can't get any clearer than that. You know, it was pretty early on in the investigation when she was told that. So they knew right away uh, that this wasn't a situation like that. You know, from what I understand, reading the, reading the articles and reading the papers and, and the court documents and things of that nature, the police believe that this crime was was uh, methodically calculated, meticulously calculated. And that the person who committed this crime understood investigative, how he would be investigated, uh, what investigative techniques would have been to have found him. You know, you're looking at him driving around uh, the entire big old loop to avoid, you know, camera detection going into Pullman at a specific time that would have made sense for a person driving directly to Pullman after the murders. So he avoids that by going on an over hour long drive, leaves the door open sliding glass door while he's committing the crime and throw out so that he doesn't touch anything more than he has to for the so that way he doesn't leave dna behind no those are all you know if you go look at the uh the search warrants and why police are looking for certain things like photograph and and planning tools and things of that nature because they believe that whoever committed this crime did this with with a well-thought plan if we were to talk about drugs brian koberger is a guy that in my opinion, let's look at that night that he that the incident occurred. Brian Koberger was out and about at 2.42 in the morning. If he's out and about at 2.42, we know that he doesn't get home until 5.30. Regardless if he committed the crime or not, he's on his alibi is he was driving around late that night. And there's footage of him going into Pullman at 5.30 and his phone corroborates that information. We know that at 9, he leaves to he leaves to Moscow. So if he gets home around, I think it was like 5.36 is when he's traveling through Stadium Way. So 
if he gets home at about 5.45, you know, I doubt he's immediately going to sleep. I mean, he could, but I doubt it. And I doubt that he goes to sleep and immediately wakes up at 8.59 and drives out. I think there's some time, if he does take a nap, uh, there's, you know, time to go to sleep. And then after you wake up, getting ready to leave for the day. So that leaves you about roughly maybe, maybe two and a half hours of sleep there, right? And then we know that he comes back out of Idaho and arrives home at 9.30, but is in Clarkston, Washington by 1240, which is about an hour or so away. So he would have had to have left around 1140, 1130, something like that. So right there, 930 to 1140 is two hours and 40 minutes. So probably another hour and a half of sleep. And then he doesn't come back or from what we know, his phone um, cuts off the, the service near Johnson, Idaho. And in the area that he was immediately following the murders then that early morning, he's out there until 536. Now, I don't know where he's at when his phone comes on, but let's just say that his phone comes on at his apartment, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. If you break everything down, one could say that, you know, depending on what time woke up on Saturday morning, if he woke up at 9 a.m., he didn't sleep throughout the day, throughout the night, throughout the next day. And at least until the evening of the following day, driving around these back roads and things like that, possibly committing a horrific crime. And if he did, let's just say he did, putting that adrenaline rush in the middle of that and not expect a crash. What do you guys think about that? Do you guys think that that's plausible or logical to do? You know, I'll tell you one thing. Um, I remember we were coming back from from Lake Tahoe and I drank one of those five hour energy drinks. Remember? Yeah. After that wore off, I was done, man. And that was just, that was drink, man. Imagine the adrenaline doing a crime like this. You have, you'll be, you're, you'll have body aches. And, you know, your whole body be tired. You wouldn't oh, you yeah. want to sleep at least your, your eight hours. Yeah. And what about you, Blue? What do you think? Yeah, man, I think sober, sober mind can think a lot better than, you know, somebody on drugs. Even if somebody on drugs can, can do this because I, I know something that happened down the street from my house the other day. Somebody on drugs, and they ended up taking their own dad's life because they were so high they didn't know they thought they were some kind of being. So mm-hmm. stuff happens sober or not sober, man. Yeah, yeah. But like my thing is for him to do all that all that night throughout the night, I find it highly unlikely that, you know, and it, and again, he's innocent to proven guilty and all that other stuff. Uh, but I think that it would be unlikely if he did commit this crime that he was sober off of uh, things that wouldn't make him continue to go. We do know that he ended up not going to work or school or class the following day. Now, for those that go into the comments section and say class was canceled on the 14th, it was in the University of Idaho, but he didn't go to Idaho. He went to WSU, which did have classes. So I just want to clarify that. He did not show up. He was not reported there by the folks who, the PhD students who were reporting on his poor behavior. Right now, if you look at these images that are on the screen, guys, these are Ryan Koberger. The two on the outside are closer to the time of his arrest. The one in the middle is one most recent. What, what, what do you guys? What can you guys say by looking at this picture about Brian Koberger? Does he look like he's gained or lost weight? Does he healthier or less healthier? Pale or not pale? So I was gonna say he looks healthier to me in the in the court photo. It mm-hmm. looks like he's got he's gotten some rest, and the other ones he looks like he hasn't gotten no rest. What about his weight? What do you think, Jaime? I think he gained some weight. You can tell by the the neck. From the first pictures on the, I mean, the, the side pictures and then the one in the court, his neck looks a little bit wider and whatnot. His shoulders look a lot broader. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I think he looks like he's put on some weight. Now, there, the the prison there or the jail that he's staying at is obeying by his diet. So he's not getting fed anything heavier. In my opinion, he looks a little bit healthier. His cheeks look fuller. His cheeks look sunk in on the other picture. Mm-hmm. What people do you know? I'm just asking out loud. And you guys can answer in the live chat as well. What kind of person do you know goes to jail and gets healthier? I mean, a fat, a fat person that can eat. <laughs> I was a. I was going to say that an obese person probably get healthier. What about somebody who's on drugs and they no longer can take drugs? Do you think that could be a reason why his face ain't sunk in? It looks like he's put on some weight. Yeah, well, I mean, especially now, this because is... he's not a, 
He's not in the uh, what's it called in public, right? Like, uh, what's it called? Gym pop. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, but if he was, it would be some. I guess it could be easier to get drugs in there. I don't know because every every prison has drugs. But if he's being locked up for twenty three hours out of uh, twenty four, then it's, you know, obviously he's not gonna be able to get. Yeah, he he wouldn't be able to be under you know surveillance the entire time as well. He'd be in. Um, he's a high profile criminal. Yeah, he wouldn't be able to get those type of things, in my opinion. Unless the guard is part of the cartel and <laughs> and and he's giving him stuff. Right. I mean, that's that's what the, probably the next theory going to be. And, I, and everything is one speculation. I don't know if Koberger's on anything or not. I don't know him. I've never met the man. But I do yeah. know a lot of people that have been arrested who were on either coke or meth look healthier when they get out of prison than when they went in. So, I, mean, I, wonder, I wonder if intake, if they do a blood draw now during intake and a P test to see if they're on drugs or anything like that. But even if he was, didn't he have like withdrawals after a while? Who said yeah. he didn't? Well, like, what did they, they report that? I mean, if they did, would we know? Yeah, Probably. I don't think we would. would yeah, they, they wouldn't. It, it, well, not even that. It's his medical stuff. So medical yeah. can't. Anything, HIPAA, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that correct, Blue? Yeah, because of HIPAA. But when they're inmates, uh, I think they still have HIPAA. But I remember a while back, one of the guards talking about it. Remember, and that not about his health, but like how he would be infatuated watching himself on the news and stuff like that. So yeah, well, that they're, they're still tracking him on that. They probably are, but you know, that's something that is a little bit different, I guess, than than if um, you know it was his medical records that were going out or being public. Because I think that uh, the prison can get in some pretty big trouble for that. I mean, we don't know if he used it or not. Maybe perhaps he was a heavy runner, right? There was reports that he was running a lot and now he's not able to run. So maybe that's why he's gaining weight. Uh, the inability to move. Angel D comes in with support for DTS for free. Like subscribe, ring that ding. Yeah, please do so. Did he continue his nighttime drive, driving habit after the crime happened? That's a pretty good question. That's a really good question because, you know, what if he doesn't? If he stopped doing that? Is that an indication to you guys at the times that he was driving around? We're in efforts to learn a route, be familiar with the area uh, so that when he does commit this crime, he's not getting lost out there because he won't have his phone. If, if we find out that he he stopped driving at him after the incident, does that tell you what does that tell you? Do you think that that, sh- that makes him look more guilty or do you think that there's plausible explanations for that? Uh, I think that make him more guilty it, after the crime. He wasn't there for too long because he went back home. For They would have to go back his tracking before the crime to see what he was doing. I think he was only there for like a month, right? No, not even a month, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, a month, month and a couple of days, right? He was where in Pullman? No, nah, he was there from I think like July. After like from July. What do you mean? Oh no, the incident. Yeah, he was only there yeah. for exactly one month. He left on December thirteenth. Yeah, I think it would look, look a lot more suspicious if he stopped. If, if this was a trend he had, you know what I mean? And he stopped right after that. Min says I easily, easily survive three full days and nights on no sleep. I also do late night drives when mad at my husband. Never on drugs either. Blue, you're the medical professional. What happens when you don't sleep for? 72 hours you start getting uh, memory loss confusion you start getting like exhausted you know and then you'll have that one day where you'll crash like not crash your car but like just crash and your body well, you're driving your mind. last week I, uh, I had one day where i probably had like two hours and then i worked and then i was up for over 24 hours and i probably had the next day four hours of sleep and then the next day maybe another four saturday man i slept a good 12 hours i didn't want to do jack i was yeah, exhausted. Well, I, I got a question for that question how mad did your husband make you man damn 
72 hours <laughs> i mean you if you're driving straight 72 hours you're getting you're getting far <laughs> away too uh, but you know is it possible for somebody to stay awake throughout that entire time yes of course you have to also consider the facts that are going on in here you know he's driving around in 29 degree weather in idaho uh, where the roads could be icy especially in some of those back road areas that he could have been driving in and you're also looking at the fact that if he did commit this crime he didn't have the effects of that crash of the adrenaline dump afterwards right it didn't appear so at least they're considered you're about the cartel man there's three or four people going in there they're going to leave dna they're going to leave footprints mm-hmm. everywhere especially you know how the weather was you know what i mean uh, mm-hmm. snow mud they will track all that stuff inside they wouldn't, they wouldn't yeah. care they would just go in there do what they had to do and get the hell out yeah and i, I agree i mean they, they could be professional and not leave anything but i don't know like it was too uh close up for them not to leave anything in my opinion without like and I just, it all planned out. yeah i just think that if somebody went to this extent to plan it out like this it sounds like it was done because like i said Somebody went in there and committed a crime and these 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 victims lost their lives. There's no conspiracy ends it's your butts about it. That happened, right? You know, the fact that some people say like, you know, he drove his own car, left the knife sheath and made all these dumb mistakes that would have made him get caught. The truth is somebody did it. Somebody made those mistakes. In my opinion, if somebody made those dumb mistakes that you think that would have gotten them caught, why are you surprised when somebody got caught? You know, and he drives a white Elantra just like the one that is seen without a front license plate. He had that at the time. Plus, if they were framing him, wouldn't that mean that they would have had to have known that Brian Coburger goes out on drives late at night and they would have had to have known he turns his phone off and they would have had to have known that he was turning his phone off between 2 and 4.40. And that is the time in which they had the opportunity to commit this crime to frame Koberger. And they just so happened to purchase a car that looks like Koberger's and took the front license plate so that it looked more like Koberger's. Mm-hmm. Happened to have a sheath with his DNA on it so that they can plant. Doesn't sound logical for the cartels to be doing all that. And they also got to know that he drives around like 13 times, totally 13 times around that neighborhood. Yeah, they would have had to have known that. It doesn't make sense to me. There's a lot of theories out there. And obviously we have ours, but I think we, I mean, to me, I think we feel, I feel like it's more, you know, down to earth, I guess you can say, based on what we know and what they have against Brian Cobra than the ones you see on Reddit and whatnot. Uh, please like and subscribe if, you've, if you're here still. What are you doing? Subscribe. Free. It won't cost you anything. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Peace.